Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right. Hope your weekend's off to a great start. The Simone Lawrence interception return for a touchdown. The difference to this point, a minute into the fourth quarter, Hamilton leading Calgary 17-10, kicking off in about 40 minutes. It is Toronto at Saskatchewan. Elks home to the Bombers tomorrow. Countdown to kickoff is at 6 here on 6.30, Chad. The game starts at 7.45. Baseball tonight, well, these results are not going the Blue Jays' way to this point. Bottom of the sixth, the Jays trail the Twins 7-3. In the fifth, Boston is up 4-1 on the Orioles. And in the seventh, the Yankees lead Cleveland 2 zip so uh the jays could uh fall a game behind boston and then be uh leapt uh, leapfrog leapfrog i don't know what the past tense is by the uh yankees if those results hold but we'll see how it uh, plays out oilers rookie game five o'clock tomorrow against the calgary flames at rogers place remember no fans for that one then they're going to calgary to play the flames rookies again on monday one of the guys uh, i've been keeping an eye on and i want to see him in the game tomorrow defenseman Dmitry Samarukov. He, he did have that shoulder injury last season playing in the KHL, but, uh, you know, a third-round pick of the Oilers in 2017, a pretty important prospect. Rookies head coach Jay Woodcroft on Samarukov. Has put a lot of work in uh, to his uh, personal corporation, I would call it, he, investing in himself. And um, it, first of all, it, it started with recovering from his injury, uh, which he's fully recovered. But he's not only uh, put the therapy work in and the strength work in, but he's also dedicated himself and is growing into his frame. He's maturing into his frame. He's in year three of his professional development. Um, his skating looks good. Uh, his composure looks good. I'm excited to, to watch him play uh, in these rookie camp, uh, rookie camp games uh, so that he can build some confidence heading into main camp um, and with uh, competing against uh, you know uh, every player in our organization uh, for ice time. So, um, you know, it's a credit to the work that he put in. Dima's a very likable young man. He, um, like I said, when he came to Edmonton and committed to uh, a summer of investing in his personal corporation, I think it's uh, it's paying off. All right, a little bit there from Jay Woodcroft on Dmitry Samarukov as we welcome to the show the host of the excellent program, noon to two every weekday here on 6-3 Chet. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. It is indeed Bob Stoffer. Hey, man, how's it going? Good, Reed. How are you? Good, good. Are you checking in from the uh, U of A game tonight, or what's going on? I can neither confirm nor deny where I am tonight, Reed. That's all you need to know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> A mysterious start to the interview. Well, okay. Let's talk about Dmitry Samarukov. I mean, it's it's one of those storylines, and you've certainly seen it because you've been out there for rookie camp the last couple of days. I mean, uh, Broberg, I know he's listed at 6'3", but he's 6'4", plus. Uh, Sam Arukov is six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds. He looks like a twenty-five-year-old version of a guy like Douglas Murray, who got up to six, you know, six three, two forty-five towards the end of his career. Uh, but he's got better feet, but a big, uh, 
know, big bodies, strong on pucks. Niemelainen, six foot five. Then on the right side, you're sitting there looking at Kemp at six foot three. Berglund coming over from Sweden, a little bit older. D-man at six foot three, and then Kesselin at six foot five. And uh, you know, I think we both think that uh, you know Broberg's a lock. He'll play in the NHL. There's no question about that. It's just a question of how high. I think Sam Marukov has got you know has a strong possibility. To, you know, maybe be a bit like Eric Cernak is for uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then they need to hit on one of those other guys. And, uh, you know, that's you, you think of Tampa Bay's defense last year, Reed. Uh, Hedman, 6'6". Six, six, uh, Sergachev, 6'3", and 225 pounds. Real good defenseman that could skate. And obviously, Hedman's maybe the best defenseman in the league. And then McDonough and Cernak, you know, in that top four. And that's that's the way of the future. You don't have to have a bunch of hammers, but you have to have a bunch of long angular guys that can force pucks and force uh, plays into into the corners. And the others have that building. So it's I, this this whole situation here is going to be really exciting uh, to to watch the progression, maturation, and growth of the Oilers' young defense prospects. Well, and, and I'm glad you brought up some of the heights there, Bob, because of of the guys in camp. There's only one defenseman listed at shorter than six foot two. So, and that's Yanni Caldas, who's, uh, who's yep. an invite, uh, who uh, is he's from Quebec, played a little bit with Bakersfield last season. So, and, and I think you touched on it, and I think that's that's worth noting, the size, and, and you said it, it, the, maybe you don't be a hammer anymore. We know that the nature of body checking has changed a little bit in the NHL because you got to be careful with open ice hits and headshots. But having that reach, and we've even seen, and look, Connor McDavid is is tough to defend but it, but at times teams who have had good games or a couple of games against McDavid have often had those long reaching defensemen that have been able to force Connor out wide and make him take an extra step or two until he until he can get to the net so hopefully that's what the Oilers are building you know those guys that can push the play to the boards well i mean you, you look at the situation with the NHL D that's there right now so Darnell Nurse has just signed a long term deal he's got a year left before he gets that deal there's a 6 foot 4 number 1 defenseman and he is a number one defenseman he's probably going to be on the canadian olympic team uh you know he was second in the league last year in goals a number one in even strength goals last season for defense i don't know if he matches that again but he's going to play 25 minutes a game and then bouchard unsolicited you've heard dave Tippett and jim playfair talk about him this year about how they think he's going to push the envelope to to push for more ice time as the season goes on so those are two orders drafted and developed prospects uh, CC signed here for four years, and that's why I mentioned they need one of the right shot guys to pan out. They got Barry for three years, so I, you know I could foresee Barry, CC, and Bouchard being the defense for the next three seasons. But in a couple of years from now, they need a Kesserling or a Camp uh, or a Berglund, who maybe we don't have as much information on, or even uh, Deharnay, who's a six foot six right shot that's on an AHL deal. Does he get an NHL deal after this season? They need one of those guys to be most likely in a three-hole in in a couple of years' time. So this is going to be really intriguing for me to watch. Uh, I think Oilers fans should be excited about what they have on defense. I think there's great question marks and goal at the NHL and the American League level. Stuart Skinner did a pretty good job last year. Uh, just where is that push going to come from in goal? And they're a little light at forward, but certainly on defense, rate, I think they're in pretty good shape. All right, Bob Stauffer joining us then at Inside Sports. One of the most asked questions, at least that I get, what is going on with Kyler Yamamoto? I had a listener write in the other night and said, Reed, what, like, what, is he, what is he waiting for? They're up against the cap. There's not a lot of leverage. What are they negotiating here? Um, Ken Holland was on with me, I guess, the Tuesday after Labor Day. Didn't have much of an update. Just said they're talking a little bit. Uh, are, are you hearing anything? Or, or can you help answer that 
What's I, the hang-up here? I fully expect Connor Yamamoto will be here for the start of training camp on Wednesday. And the fact that it's gone this long leads me to believe that it's probably going to be a one and not a two-year deal. And so a two-year deal, to me, the range was about 1.5, 1.6 million. A one-year deal, to me, is one and a half. Sorry, 1.15 to maybe 1.3 million on a one-year deal. So I, it would not surprise me if it ends up being a one-year deal. And... If that's the case, Yamamoto's betting on himself. But I would be stunned, given all that has transpired between CAA, who were in dialogue on the Adam Larson front, uh, in dialogue on the Tyson Berry front, and the Cody CC front, uh, all that has occurred between that agency this summer and the Oilers, I would be stunned if there was a delay in Yamamoto. Um, it would not surprise me if maybe something... Uh, occurred over the course of the weekend, Reed. I just, I just, because that gives enough head. I think they got to get immigration taken care of because Yamamoto's an American. He needs to have a contract. So just logic at this, at this uh, case and state date to me sort of infers that it, we might more likely be looking at a one year than a two year deal. And I do think it's going to get done. All right. All right. Uh... I'm pretty, I guess what I'm saying to you is I'm pretty optimistic. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't see him missing camp. He's got no arm just... rights, Reed. Reed well, yeah, like it's no just odd rights. it's taken this long. It's just odd to me it's taken this long. And I, well, I think to some it, fans as well. I think that's a completely fair perspective, but because it's taken this long, it's got nowhere to go because he doesn't have right. arm rights and he doesn't have a compelling case. He scored four goals in the last 41 games. So Paul Yarby got 1.2 times two years. Yamamoto, you know, he had 26 points in 27 games a year ago, but this past season, again, scored only one goal in his final 21 games and four in his uh, final 41. And remember, he was playing most of those with the second-highest-scoring player in the National Hockey League, albeit he didn't see a lot of power play time. So, um, you know, I, I, the owners are going to incorporate a top nine. Even And I do – look, I, I, I would almost say it's a lock that Yamamoto will be here for the start of training camp. I can't see his agency – has called in some favors with the Oilers too, right? His agency is, you know, I just can't see them not having, because believe me, it's been communicated. You know what happened with Ethan Barrow last year. It, you know, he got off on the wrong foot and never really got right at all year long. And I just can't see that agency, which is a different agency than the one representing Bear. That's a template that they don't want to follow. All right, Bob, before I let you go, we're going to do Uh-oh. it again from time to time. I, I know Uh-oh. it's one of the many things that bring you joy in this world. It is the world-famous quiz for Stoffer. Uh-oh. So oh, no. I, I, two topics tonight, uh, and you can pick which one you want to do first. Uh, one is going to be exceptional Oilers rookies, and the other topic is uh, because we had him on the show in the last half hour, and I know he is your favorite game manager of all time, and we'll discuss that term maybe on another show. Uh, the other topic is Ricky Ray. Which one do you want first? Well, I, I, Ricky Ray treated me like absolute gold uh, during my days of total sports. So, uh, and he was—if he's a game manager, he was the best game manager in the last 20 years of the Canadian Football League. So let's go, Ricky Ray. All right, uh, Ricky Ray did get a very brief look. In an NFL training camp uh, back in uh, in 2001, with what NFC team did he attend training in camp? In 2001, so not in 2004 when he went to the Jets. No, not the Jets. This was before he came to the CFL. An I'm NFC gonna say, team. I'm going to say it was the San Francisco 49ers. 
It absolutely was the San Francisco 49ers. He only dressed All right, for I'm one for a, one, uh, and I'm not in front and, of a computer, just so you know. No, and that's so. when they started calling him Frito Ray because, of course, he uh, he was right. doing chip delivery when he got called up. And then he went to the uh, Arena Football League. Uh, exceptional Oilers rookie season. So, uh, how many goals did Jason Arnott score in 93-94? Uh, I will say 33. It was exactly 33, Bob. You're two for two. He added 35 assists for 68 points. Uh, but I believe, was that the, I think that was the year Brodeur got the Calder, wasn't it? Uh, sure. It's, uh, yeah. And I remember when he got drafted, Gratton went third and Arnett went seventh. And a lot of people thought, well, you know, Chris Gratton dominated Jason Arnett in the OHL playoffs. And as it turned out, if you take a look at the numbers between Chris Gratton and Jason Arnett, uh, I think you can make a strong argument that Arnett had a better career. Gratton had some. Gratton probably thought a bit too much, which was a byproduct of that era. Like he was not afraid to to square off with some of the big. Arnett thought too once in a while, but uh, Arnett, if you just looked at the numbers between those two guys, if you quickly went on Hockey DB, I can't do it because I'm on my phone and I can't yeah, tell you where Arnett, I'm at right now. Uh, Arnett 938 points in 1244 games, and uh, Gratton. Uh, not nowhere near that point per game pace. Five hundred and sixty-eight in one thousand ninety-two. So Arnold's so about point seven five. Gratton's about point yeah. five. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know what, Jason, I was on the periphery. I certainly wasn't as close to it as Morley back then. Uh, but I would see Jason occasionally in town. He was a pretty good guy and had a great career. Bob, wherever you are, I hope it's a great evening. I'll see you at the rake tomorrow, man. I really appreciate this. Hey, hey Reed, 1-1, Alberta and Mount Royal, eight minutes left to dawn in oh, the first period. How would see he later, possibly bye. know that? <laughs> I am not in, all I'm going to tell you is I'm not in the building. Okay. So I may be watching true. online, but I'm not physically in the building. Okay? okay. Take care, Reed. Good yeah, stuff. That's Bob, that's Bob Stauffer. Uh, well, yeah, he can, there's, there's more ways to watch the sport than just actually being there. Always fun to have Bob on the show. Uh, he's two for two in the uh, quiz for Stauffer. One of you guys out there can keep the stats and update me every few weeks. Uh, of course, <laughs> if you would like to, the hotline is... Powered by Certainteed Professional Grade Building Materials, 780-496-0063. You can email me, inside sports at 630ched.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Okay, uh, we're going to do Name the Animal tonight, because why not? And uh, we got a great uh, family story from Castrol Raceway. Uh, more on the Oilers, Rookies, and the Elks. It's Inside Sports on Ched. like the Hamilton Tiger Cats will do the Edmonton Elks and the rest of the West Division a favor tonight late in the fourth quarter Hamilton leading Calgary 2010 we'll have the final in that one in uh, probably 15 minutes or so maybe a little less and at 745 Toronto and Saskatchewan kick off both those teams coming in at three and two the AJHL regular season is underway tonight including the Crusaders and the Saints playing at Grand View Arena in Spruce Grove and uh, about halfway through the first period there it is a uh, scoreless game between the two Edmonton area teams all right good to have Bob Stoffer on the program you heard from Ricky Ray a little bit earlier on Eddie Steele as well as uh, we set up the storylines for this weekend the Oilers rookie game tomorrow the Elks game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers which is as Elks president and CEO Chris Preston tells you armed forces appreciation night 
and we'll have a double flyover. The first flyover will be um, just after the anthem. The second flyover will be just before kickoff. And on the second flyover, they're actually going to do a burnout, which they typically don't do. And that's where you see the, the engine that looks like it's on fire from behind, and they almost take a straight path upward within the sky. So a lot cool. going on. Um, happy hour specials, as always. Kids 12 and under still receive free pop and popcorn. So uh, many things to do. All right, well, that'll be a fun flyover tomorrow at Commonwealth Stadium. Taylor Cornelius, the quarterback, head coach J.B. Elizondo, says, hey, this kid has a high ceiling. Taylor, we brought up here originally to not only win this, the backup job, but we felt he was good enough to be the eventual replacement for Trevor Harris. So we're really excited about Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's no leash. He's got to go play, play without, you know, the, the need to be perfect and just let it hang. All right, there we go. Let it hang. We'll uh, we'll leave that where it is. Oilers rookie game. Don't know how the goaltenders are going to look, but the uh, goalies in camp are Ethan Kruger, Olivier Rodrigue, and Ilya Konovalov. Now his numbers uh, in the KHL, you know, they tend to be pretty inflated for goalies. He had a 9.23 save percentage for Yaroslav last season. Jay Woodcroft on Konovalov. It's interesting because I bumped into him over the last couple days. Today was his first full team practice with our group. Uh, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked composed. He has a professionalism about him. Uh, he's a strong, strong athlete, uh, but I, I saw a calmness and a composure out on the ice today, and um, I'm not sure which game he'll, he'll uh, take the reins in, but I'm excited to see him play when he does. All right, we got a break for the news and weather. Oh, we're going to do it. We're going to name the animal in the next half hour. Plus, a great story from Castrol Raceway. Two twenty left in the fourth quarter. Hamilton leading Calgary 23-10. Jake Mayer going into the game here at the end, replacing Bo Levi Mitchell. The Stamps have not looked good tonight as i've been watching this one with one eye while hosting the show toronto and saskatchewan will kick off in about 11 or 12 minutes baseball tonight blue jays trailing the twins 7-3 in the eighth the yankees now up six nothing on cleveland and boston leading baltimore 4-1 that's in the bottom of the sixth so uh not good results there for the jays in the wild card chase but still uh, obviously a couple of weeks left in the regular season tomorrow elks and Blue Bombers, it's at 7.45. It's at uh, 6 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30. Jed, Don texting in. He says, uh, who will be the backup quarterback tomorrow? That is going to be a gentleman by the name of Dakota Prukop, who is uh, 27 years of age. He's going to turn 28 in a month. He uh, played at Oregon and Montana State in the NCAA. He uh, joined the Argos in 2017. He was with Calgary for the non-existent 2020 season. He did go to training camp with them this year. They released him on July 29th. The Elks picked him up on July 30th. He has thrown, uh, what, 
what is he at here? I'm checking his stats. He, he's thrown 21 CFL passes, and he has two touchdowns and two interceptions for and 166 yards, 14 for 21. So that is the backup tomorrow. I was talking with uh, Eddie Steele and Ricky Ray about players starting the season not on the roster or not playing a lot and then making a splash. Uh, we touched on Darrell Walker in 2015. Wayne writes in, yeah, Brandon Zilstra in 2016 was uh, incredible. I just double-checked how many years, how many games he played in 2016. Only played the last six games of uh, the season and uh, had 508 yards receiving and three touchdowns in six games. So, yeah, he burst onto the scenes because we had those, th- those were those back-to-back years. They had Walker and then Zilstra, and when they started playing, we were all sitting here saying, why weren't these guys on the team all the way along? Uh, maybe Duke Williams, another guy that uh, the Elks had. I think he came on. I don't think he started the season. He had some big games as well for the uh, green and gold, but not quite the impact that uh, Zilstra and Darrell Walker had. Okay. So uh, a little bit there. Rob from Capilano also informing us that uh, Sunday is International Talk Like a Pirate Day. All right. I'm, I'm just going to leave that there, Rob. Th- thanks for the notification. <laughs> I do enough stupid voices. I'm not going to attempt a pirate voice tonight. Well, maybe later. Okay. Uh, we got a pretty cool uh, father and son duo coming up uh, from the sprint car circuit. In a few minutes here, we're going to do now our uh, world famous segment. It is ever popular. It is the guiding light in my life. And I think Kellen Kennedy's as well. It is our segment called name the animal. Now there's still some confusion over how this works. And I'm working on a manual <laughs> that will explain it step by step, but here's, I, I just try to follow along. Um, you know, like you got to concentrate. Don't just stare at your phone while you're doing this. You got to focus. So Kellen, at some point today, went to the 630 Chet Animal Sanctuary, and he either recorded the sound of an animal, or if it's a friendly animal and not too big, he brings it back to the 630 Chet control room. And he is going to either play that recorded sound of the animal or or, or uh, sort of prompt the animal right now to make the sound live. And then I have to guess what animal it is making that noise. Uh, And we do this every week or two. It it is not a contest. I I mean, you can participate on social media or or texting or calling if you want, but if you help me, you can't win anything. Just my admiration and respect, which should be more valuable than an actual monetary prize or tickets or something like that, I would think. Uh, We'll try to get you some canned ham, but we're kind of low on canned hams right now. All right, Kellen, it is uh, Name the Animal. And uh, at your leisure, give mm-hmm. me the sound. Yar, here we go. It's a dragonfly. No. Is it an insect? It is not an insect, no. Oh, my God. We, I don't think you've had an insect yet. Wow, that is something. Very repetitive. It almost sounds like a, a little electronic toy or something like that. It's, it's, it actually sounds like a weed whacker. It's not a weed whacker. It is some form of an animal. Uh, Mike, can you play it again? This this is something. <laughs> I don't know. Is it a is it a happy donkey? It's not a happy donkey. No. Okay. Is it a sea creature? Uh, kind of, sorta. It's an amphibian. 
It's an amphibian. Okay. Uh, so I got to look up amphibium now. <laughs> we had we had, some, we had we had a reptile of So it could be like a frog. Yes. Sort of a frog. There you go. No, it is a go. frog. It is a frog. Yes. Okay. How specific do we have to get for the type of the frog? I'll give you the I'll give you the win on this for just picking out the animal. But uh, if you want to try and and be more specific, I'll play it again here for you. But it's a very common frog. Uh, well, so, somebody not, wrote in bullfrog. That's it. Exactly. It is a bullfrog. Somebody on the text line knew that right away. Congratulations to you and Anonymous Dexter. See, there's a little ribbit, ribbit right there. Yeah, sure. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> okay, so that is a uh, that is the sound of a bullfrog. That that's an interesting noise. So what what's he doing in the video? It sounds like he's very relaxed. Is he getting a massage? Yeah, he's just sitting in a swamp somewhere, or just in a bog. In a bog, and is the uh, pro- probably annoyed at the sh- the bright white light shining on top of him, so that people could shoot the you know this is a this is a pre-recorded uh, piece here because uh, the frog had other uh, commitments tonight, probably out catching flies somewhere. <laughs> the, fro- the, fro- the frog had prom or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So well, we had the somebody texted in bullfrog right away. So if that's you, you uh, have you win. respect and admiration. You have won that. Uh, we had somebody guess if it was a moose. Uh, a bird. See, there are a lot of bird noises, and I think mm. we've played a couple. I, I often have guessed some sort of a bird uh, in as we've done Name the Animal. That's fascinating. Calgary gets a late touchdown here. It's 23-16. I think we're into the final 30 seconds, so they'll need a convert and a short kickoff and then uh, a miracle or two along the way. So that is the bullfrog, um, generally found in eastern North America. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting this off Wikipedia, which is completely uh, accurate. And uh, well, we do have them in uh, in the West as well. I think more in the United States. How big are they? I mean, they got to be the mm. size of a bull. <laughs> oh, there's a lot on here. Okay, well, we'll we'll research bullfrogs a little bit later on, and maybe we'll do an entire mm-hmm. uh, an entire show on them. Why not? Uh, somebody says that you're watching too much Duck Dynasty. LOL. I've never watched that show. Do they have bullfrogs on that show? Uh, probably. It's in the south and it's in the east. So. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that was Name the Animal. It always brightens my evening. We've uh, we got a really cool story coming up here from the Sprint Car Circuit next on Inside Sports. The final in the hammer. The Tiger Cats beat the Calgary Stampeders 23-17. Hamilton now 3-3 three and three on the season. Calgary drops to 2-5 and five on the year. Elks and Bombers tomorrow at Commonwealth 745 kickoff. Our countdown to kickoff program on 630 Ched will commence at 6 p.m. Looking forward to that. Tomorrow, 5 p.m. at Rogers Place. No fans for this one, of course. Oilers, rookies, and Flames rookies at Castrol Raceway. Tomorrow, we got the 2021 Challenge Cup featuring uh, some of the top sprint car drivers, including uh, these two gentlemen involved. They got a great story. We got Wade Fleming on the line. Wade, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good, Reed. Thanks. How are you? Doing very well. And Declan Fleming is there as well. Hey, Declan, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for hopping on, guys. Uh, b- before we get into what's happening tomorrow, 
Uh, you guys are father and son. You, you guys got a great story. The, the family has a great story. Wade, can you kind of just take us through the nuts and bolts of, uh, of your family's uh, uh, racing roots here? Well, I guess my racing roots started back in, uh, well, my dad, 1968 and uh, Westwood Oval. And then uh, we moved from there to Speedway in 1978. And we uh, raced there till 81. And then after Speedway was closed down, we started traveling around Alberta and racing until about 84. And then we moved into Calmore Raceway and we stayed there for about seven more years. And uh, one of those things we did as a family, always, always as a family. And then in 1991, we moved to Castle Raceway. And I've been there for, I raced there until 2010. And I quit for a few years, and kind of one day we were sitting at the dinner table, and my wife said uh, to the kids, hey, what do you think about Dad starting to race again? And I was like, holy cow, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> and uh, so the kids started helping out. They were getting to that age where they were getting uh, good enough to work on stuff. So we, I raced that next year, and then the year after that, Declan went out and bought his own car. Okay, now Declan, do you, now, Declan, do you remember that, uh, that dinner table conversation? Like, what was your interest level of getting involved but before that came up? Was it something you kind of always wanted to do and were hoping Dad would draw you into? Yeah, no, I, I always wanted to race against my dad when I was growing up. That was one of my dreams. But uh, I remember that dinner table and just the excitement in everybody's face was pretty crazy to see. Yeah. Now, no, wait for you... Um, when you were coming up and doing stuff with your dad, was this right from a little guy? You're learning how the cars work, and then when did you eventually start racing them? At what age? I started racing when I was about 14. So, but I'd always been around racing. But they really, you weren't allowed to go in the pits then when you're a little kid. So, when I was 14, I kind of started to rebuild my own car, his car, one day, and I took it all apart, but couldn't figure out how to put it back together so they loaded that up and it went uh, to a shop and they fixed it that year but I started hot lapping it that summer and I wasn't allowed to start racing until I had over 100 hot laps under me and um, you know after that I, I got to race the next year all right and what and what about for you Declan how did you originally get involved and then what was your first few times behind the wheel like uh, well, when it was about, uh, let's say, 10 or 12 years old, we started uh, racing mini sprints, little smaller versions of the cars we drive today. But um, I used to race those with both my brothers. They each had a car, and so that was a lot of fun. That was, that was probably the first time I was ever in a car. And then uh, in, I think it was a Castro or Great Falls one time, my dad just let me pack the tractor with it or something like that. Oh, it was at Castle Raceway. Yeah, that's right. And then, uh, yeah, you let me take it out for a couple hot laps after a race one time, and I, I was pretty much hooked after that. Okay. Now, uh, Wade, I'll start with you here. D did you ever race against your father, like in an actual official race? And if so, what was that like? That was – I did do that. I raced at a Calmar probably for about three years. And uh, – I was pretty green. I just remember him always giving me a lot of trouble over the amount of cars I wrecked. 
which was a lot. <laughs> and, and Larry, that was your dad? Yeah, Larry was my dad. Uh, he uh, was, Before he passed, he left after the Cougar Boxing Club when he retired from racing. Okay, and Declan, what about for you? Do you have you raced against your dad, and, and what is that experience like? Well, uh, it was uh, really just something I had wanted to do for so long. But uh, you know, just like he said, I was pretty green when we started. So I just remember he took off, and I stayed near the back. But every time he went past me, it was it was a pretty good feeling. Okay, well, yeah, the feeling's sounds... the same. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so uh, d- tell me what's going on tomorrow. Are, are both you guys on the track tomorrow or just Declan? What's happening tomorrow at Castro? Uh, uh, just me tomorrow night. Yeah. So okay, and Wade, what's, what's happening it's a, tomorrow? It's a Challenge Cup. Um, about a month and a half ago, I was thinking that because these guys have been racing out there for nothing all year, and um, I wanted to do something for the end of the season, so I decided to make some phone calls and some friends of mine who own businesses around Edmonton, you know, like Canadian Wheel and Trail Tire, and, and you know, even Ron Hodson and AMS, these guys all pitched in some money and and, and helped us out to, to get this race going. And and for the sprint cars that people are going to see tomorrow night, what speeds are we looking at here, guys? Whoever wants to jump in. So, so the difference between the two cars, like I have an open class, which is a 360, which is about 750 horsepower. They get up to about 130 miles an hour on the front straight or back straightaway. This class here is about 600 to 650 horsepower. Same cars, but they'll get up to probably about 150 to 120 miles an hour. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And then they got to turn left. Right. With 20 cars. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it's a busy track. Have you guys ever had a scary wreck or anything like that? Either of you guys? Uh, yeah, I had one. I think it was last weekend or two weekends ago. Yeah, it went through a pretty good tumble. And how are you? Uh, doing pretty well. And how's the vehicle? Uh, we welded it all up that night and we're out for the, the next night after. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, you guys, this is a great family story. Oh, and Wade, so if people want to go, uh, I mean, I know there was the announcement uh, earlier this week. Just remind people of uh, any rules they might need to follow and, and when it starts. And, uh, and, and I'm looking at the website right now. People can get more on castrolraceway.com. Uh, but just let everybody know some of the details about tomorrow. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, put on by All West Power Sports and Castro Raceway in a way. Um, it's social distancing. You know, I don't believe you have to show any passes to get in. They haven't given uh, Eddie any rules on that yet. But uh, we start at 5, so we're going to have time ends at 5, and it's all sprint cars and maybe one small filling class, and it's going to be, you know, wings down and hammer down and let's go. 
Right on. Well, thanks for telling your story, guys. I, I hope it's an absolute blast tomorrow night. I, I know you're busy getting ready, so thanks for spending a few minutes here on Inside Sports. Wade Fleming, Declan Fleming, incredible story, great family story. Really appreciate your time. Yes, thank you very much. Thanks, Reed. Right on, guys. Okay, a couple sprint car guys. Well, Declan's running tomorrow. Uh, Wade, uh, long-time involvement in it as well. That is uh, that is really cool. That is really cool. And uh, family involved going back to Larry Fleming, and the tradition continues now with Declan. That is some good stuff. That's at Castrol tomorrow night. Kellen, you've been out uh, to Castrol a few times this year, but are you more into the, uh, the drag racing? Yeah, that's right. But uh, it's all on one handy facility there, so it depends on basically which direction you walk from the parking lot. To right. Which track so the, the, to, so. the, the sprint tomorrow, they're actually on a they're actually on an oval. Right? Yes, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a dirt oval. It's it's a lot of fun. I've been out to the uh, sprint car races in the past and that stuff, and it's fairly quick. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of action happening in literal tenths of a second to hundredths of a second of each other. Uh, type competition and that stuff and but the races the races take a little while the the oh, yeah. drag races you watch what are those like four seconds not even yeah the yeah the the uh, drag races typically here can go between 10 to as quick as four seconds with the with the top fuel cars yeah exactly in a quarter mile so all right well we wish those guys all the best toronto and saskatchewan just underway the argos uh, are wearing uh, uniforms that make it look like they have dark blue shorts on with light blue leotards underneath. Hmm. They're two-tone pants. They're uh, dark blue to about the top of the knee, and then they're light blue from there down. I don't know if I've seen these before this year. Uh, Hamilton won over Calgary 23-17. Quickly updating the baseball here. 8 nothing. Yankees leading Cleveland in the ninth. Blue Jays losing 7-3 in the ninth. Red Sox up 7-1 in the seventh. Okay. Fun show tonight. Thanks for checking it out. Besides Wade and Declan Fleming, you heard from Bob Stoffer, Ricky Ray, and Eddie Steele. Six o'clock tomorrow, 6.30, Chad, countdown to kickoff. Game at 7.45. Taylor Cornelius, Derek Moncrief, and the Edmonton Elks taking on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio operator. Cheddar is our GOAT. We haven't heard from Cheddar for a while. I think he's doing fine, though. And we also had a uh, random bullfrog on the show this evening as well. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. Oh, we don't have a show Monday. I forgot to tell you. We don't have a show Monday because we're going to have extended election coverage. So 630 Chad has all the breaking stories from the election on uh, Monday. So uh, don't be freaked out if I'm not on when I'm not on from 6 to 8. We got a very important uh, election that we're going to cover for you. Have a great weekend. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.